2: of reviewing the defense for the Chargers game, a, a, a defensive laugher, and here to do it with me, the Sun Papers Child, Childs Walker. How are you doing, Childs?
3: I'm doing well. We've, uh, we, we've, we've had good luck in the games that we picked. I, th- I think last year you had me on, it was right after the, uh, the comeback in Cleveland. Yep. And uh, this, th- this year I was, uh, I was thinking we might be reviewing a, a poor defensive performance against a very good offensive team, but instead we got the, the best defensive performance of the season. So, uh, so there you go.
2: Yeah, special special performance. A couple of return engagements that were extremely critical and central to this that we'll get into. Uh, nice to have just a one sided win and, and as a change of pace to all these heart stoppers, huh?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I I wrote about that after the Colts game. I mean, obviously that was a tremendously exciting game. I mean, it, you know, I've, I was I was at the stadium. I mean, it's you you're you're always happy to be on hand to to see something like that. On the other hand, I, you know. It's not sustainable to win that way, yeah. week after week, I mean if you're going to be a really good team in the nfl you, you you have to you have to dominate and sometimes you have to have a complete performance against another good team and and so you know in in a sense, this game wasn't as exciting as some of the other ones this this year, but it may have may have been a better sign in terms of where they're headed yeah
2: and it's it's
3: definitely it's the sign
2: of a great team that they beat the crap out of the opponents fairly regularly it doesn't have to be every game, but it's definitely not the sign of a of a great team to win eight, nine, 10 out of 12 games say uh, by the type of ways the Ravens have been winning games. So it's a, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's not sustainable. You're right. I think that's, that's really come to light more in baseball in about the last 30 to 40 years, really since Bill James came, I the scene. that, you know, a Pythagorean run expectation and that's true for football as well ha- has come to be an expected norm rather than, Oh boy, the good teams, they really know how to win close games, which is so far from the truth. It's not even funny.
3: No, I mean, in, you know, a, a, a lot of times people will, especially if a good team blows out a bad team, they'll be like, oh, well, that doesn't mean anything. Right. Well, well no. I mean, it actually does mean something <laughs> yes. a really good team should blow out bad, bad teams. And that and that really does tell you something. So mm-hmm. not that the Chargers are a bad team. They're far, yeah. far from it. But But yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. This is the best type of blowout win, a blowout win against a good team. And you don't get very many of these. Even in Ravens history, it's probably less than 20, maybe less than maybe less than 10 such games that was one sided against such a good opponent. And uh and this was really special. Came into this game the fourth down stops uh and the fourth down success of the Chargers with Staley, a big, a big thing. Big point they'd made about they'd made 10 out of 11 fourth downs. They made one out of four in this game, of course. Uh Interesting stuff, of course. They threw at Marlon Humphrey a couple times to, to, to stop uh, two of them. I believe the other one might have come on a Bynes play, or was that on third down? I'm, I'm trying to remember. I think the Bynes play was on third down, yeah. Okay. And there are two Bynes plays, actually. The other one on third down that was negated by, <laughs> by the 12 men. But anyway, they, they, uh, they did a good job of stopping them. I, 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 what I find is funny about this is Staley's clearly recognized now as probably the, the leading edge of fourth down game management decisions that are mathematically modeled. But the problem is that last week against the Browns, the previous week against the Browns, they had a chance to kneel, kneel kick for the win. You know, they were down to the three yard line. They needed three points would have won the game. And Austin Eckler got dragged into the end zone by the Browns defense. I assume you saw the game yeah. or, or saw mm-hmm. highlights for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the strangest things that'll ever happen. And I think somehow it's less forgivable for a coach whose reputation comes on game management like that.
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's the, the the evolution of kind of coaching aggression has been, I think, really one of the fascinating subplots of the league over the last mm-hmm. what ten, ten, fifteen years. And um, I mean, I mean, of course, anybody who is analytically inclined, I think, I think supports it and and is inclined to cheer for the sort of aggression that, that we see from from, from Staley. But you know, we certainly saw yesterday. It, it is it is situational, and I mean, mm-hmm. we saw I I'm. I'm almost. I mean, like we we debate these calls in the press box, right? And and mm-hmm. I'm almost always on the side of you know go 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 for it. But the one that he went for deep in their own territory, fairly early in the game. Um, I I mean I'm not sure what analytics would have told you to do. I mean maybe that gives you on paper a, a better win advantage. You mm-hmm. know I I I didn't see the the sort of it on that. But I mean I had I had I sure would have had misgivings about that one. Sure. I I would agree. I mean, being a mathematician myself, I think that
2: you can you can usually justify an even greater set of them. And I've seen a chart that would tell you go for it on fourth and six from your own 10. Right. You know, kind of thing. There's some additional advantages gained than just the expected win probability from the drive itself. Giving away a short drive is actually better than giving away a long drive sometimes because of the redraw value of it. I think about redrawing to a full house in in, uh, Texas Hold'em i you ever played any of that. So anyway, the 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 notion is you shorten the opponent's drive, even if you miss your own attempt. If you if you make it, then you lengthen your own drive, which even gives the gives the opponent less time. So he's he's struggling with a lot of defensive snaps to manage and whatnot. Um, I, I, I see some value in that, but they had two two situations very similar. Fourth and three at their own thirty-two. Fourth and three at their own thirty-nine. They went for it the second time. It was only three minutes difference in the game. Right on fourth and three at their own thirty-nine. It's just why one and not the other? These are too close for for these not to both be going the same way. But apparently, if it was one goes the other, one goes that way and the other goes the other way, you have to question: is it enough of an advantage to do it? And I think that's that was the one you were questioning, not the
3: one fourth and one at their own nineteen. You weren't questioning that, right? No, I was I was talking about the fourth and three one. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I'm I'm trying to remember when was at what point in the game was the fourth and one. I'm, that I was
2: think in the second half, Q three six eighteen or right. something. Yeah, no, I,
3: no, that's right. I was talking about the uh, the fourth and three in the in the first yeah. half. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was the uh, fourth and one was yeah five fifty eight Q Q three five fifty eight. So anyway, yeah. Yeah. All right, enough enough of that. Anyway, we've uh, we've got enough time to Staley. He's he's gotten his plug on this one. Josh <laughs> Bynes, the other big story of this game to me, yeah. uh, uh, along with Elliott, uh, it, to have him come back and potentially for the second time in three years save our in back, uh, inside linebacking core is just. First of all it's fun, but but second of all it's a great story. But second of all, he, he everything about Josh Bynes is different from the other inside linebackers we have. His play speed, and you know he's half a second slower probably in the 40, I might be slightly exaggerating, than the other inside linebackers we have. But his play speed is much faster than Patrick Queen's play speed.
3: Yeah, it was uh it was we 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 talked to we talked to Harbaugh about uh about Bynes today at his uh at his day after press conference and um he 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 didn't say that exactly but what he, what he said is that somehow when they put binds in everything just worked better um everything was calmer <laughs> not only not only was he doing the right things decisively but it seemed like the other guys who were paired up with him were suddenly doing the right things more decisively than they had been doing before that everything every, everything just fit better um and It is. It it really is a great story. I mean, you know, not only I mean, not only is he sort of saved their bacon twice in the last three years. I mean, obviously, this is his third stint with the team. I mean, he goes he goes all the way back to sort of the the last classic era of the Ravens. So, I mean, it's uh, it's it's something I mean, it's I you know, I don't I don't it's not anything that we could have foreseen. I don't think. Yeah.
2: I mean, I think there's something to be said for him calming down other players. I mean, the Chuck Clark is a wonderful defensive signal caller. I think he's done a great job in terms of making sure the breakdowns on the back end don't occur with the kind of regularity they were in early 2019 before he got the green dot. But it, to ask him to be the manager of the front seven or the general of the front seven is too much. And nobody was doing it otherwise because the two inside the inside linebackers are all too green. To to really be the guy who who say, you know, you move over here. And you see Bynes readjusting the line of scrimmage and saying, You get over a gap. You also get over a gap. It was even funny because he was in with Queen on the same play, told one guy to get over a gap, and then Queen goes up to the guy next to him and says, You get over a gap too, kind of thing. (laughs) So I I I like that kind of thing when I see it. Uh the one other play I want to talk about with regard to Bynes is the twelve men on the field penalty, which I'm 95% sure, maybe this came up in the discussion with Harbaugh today, that that was Queen's fault for not getting off the field. He was the last one off the
3: field. He was. Um, it, it, it did not. That that play was not specifically discussed, no.
2: Okay. So He he came off the field late, of course, and I don't know if you saw it on the broadcast. was fairly apparent, but they they first of all they show Queen and they and they and they show the play and binds unfortunately makes a great play you know yeah. to stop the drive and then and they, you know they would they would move on but the other thing is that that uh they then go to Harbaugh on the sideline and it, I pick up on some of these mannerisms from people I've managed before but but he he was seething and and he he had his teeth together In a way that he was not allowing his lips to be read, and you know, was speaking (laughs) to the microphone. Just, I mean, hold the paper over your face. You're obviously pissed. We know it, okay? And and you're going to be more pissed. We realize we're going to. We we know you know that we know you're you're pissed if you hold the sheet over your face. But you know, it's one of these things where you go. It's just. It it just. It it was obvious he was upset at somebody, and I still think there's about a five percent chance that both of them were supposed to be off the field. And that um, board was supposed to be in on the play because that was what was doing, happening on most of the other plays. Yeah, but right. Bynes took the initiative to stay in. Queen was off late and Queen is kind of the one who takes the hit for it from, from that way.
3: Well, as you said, it, it it wiped out one of the best plays that Bynes made in the game. I mean, that was, uh, that was, that was, I think that was an athletic play that you don't expect to see from him necessarily. Right. I mean, you expect the intelligence and sort of the, the, mm-hmm. the, the evenness and, and all that stuff. But I mean, you know, for, for him to be out in space and, uh, and, and, and leap and knock a ball down that way. That is that is not how you think of fines, I don't think so. I, I
2: what what I noticed in 2019 was that the, the Ravens linebackers then, Owasso, Young and Board, all had no idea what was going on behind them in, in the passing game. So anything between level two and level three was like invisible to them. They, they couldn't affect that play. They couldn't read the routes off the line of scrimmage. Bynes immediately came in, had, he had two picks, but he had one in his very first game on an overthrow where he really judged the ball, where the ball was going perfectly uh, at, at Pittsburgh. I don't know if you remember, that was on a little swing pass right, it was overthrown, and, and Bynes I made mean, the kind of interception, is like, how did you know to be there, Yeah, kind of thing. Um, but Bynes also showed in other times during 2019 that he was good at, at knowing where the ball was going between level two and three, and that's the mark of a really experienced linebacker. And I thought that's kind of what I picked up on the, on this play was him understanding, you know, where that route was going. But he also had another play early in the game where he undercut a screen pass and forced uh, Herbert to overthrow the receiver on the right side. It might've been Eckler. It might've been one of the other backs on that play.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And then he had the, uh, he obviously had that, had that high impact, uh, Running play where uh, mm-hmm. Averett sort of sealed the outside and 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 Mines you know dove, dove in and made the big hit big hit for a loss. Um, that that was obviously another another standout play. Um, but but I mean yeah I I I think the story for the the story of the game for him was as much what we talked about for probably more what we talked about first than any individual play. It was it was the seemingly the effect that he had that he had mm-hmm. on the whole picture right. Yeah, I,
2: I, I agree. The front seven is, it had it together, and, and Bynes, was, Bynes did make a lot of individual plays in this game. And you notice how different it is from the number of individual plays otherwise made, and that's what I'm getting at. There two things that happened. One of the things I want to mention package-wise is that Bynes played every single base package, and he played every single nickel package where it wasn't an obvious passing situation. What that tells me is he's not giving this job up. He's the number the team's number one linebacker right now. It would really take a regression from him to lose this job that he's that he apparently now has. Is that the sense you got from the Harbaugh conversation today?
3: Very, very much so. Um, now he did not say that explicitly, but I mean, just just again the way the way he talked about um, just feeling like the entire defense fit together better. And and you know, as a coach, you don't say that. You know, if if, if you're not sort of signaling. What, what you just said so so no that was that was absol- absolutely my takeaway is, is that this is what we're going to see for, for a while now and I mean it's it's you know as we said it's what we saw in 2019 right so so right. I I mean I, you know and and Harbaugh very rarely likes to make comparisons but he did draw a comparison to 2019 and and made no bones about the fact that you know Bynes has sort of bailed them out of tough situations in in, in both cases um and you know we also saw Harbaugh last week um go to unusual lengths to suggest he was not happy with what he had been getting from his inside linebackers, which is also not something that he usually does. Um I mean, he's normally supportive of players in, in what he says, even if he's not satisfied with the way they're playing. So for him to indicate that he, he was not satisfied with what he was getting from Queen and Harrison was, uh even though he didn't, I mean, I wouldn't say that he called them out, but that was kind of his version of calling them out. So, so between right. what he said about them last week and what he said about Bynes today, I, you know, I, I think that obviously, signals a, a sea change, unless, as you said, we see something different for bias. Right
2: No, I, I, I would agree entirely that we're not going to see it. And and it's I don't want to stunt Patrick Queen's career in a way that he can never recover from it. I'm getting a little bit of feedback from your mic, I think. I'm sorry about this. Um, uh, I'm, I'm getting a little bit, uh, sorry, I, I, I don't want to stunt Patrick Queen's career. I'd like him to be in there and uh, at least learn at some point because they have to make a decision after next season of whether they pick up his fifth year option. We right. may be past that point already, but uh, you know, hopefully he can he can return, be a valuable player, and certainly Bynes is not gonna be here forever. And and Queen will at least maybe for his fourth year and maybe his fifth as well, and maybe his third for all we know, be back be ready to take that inside linebacker role again. Um one one issue that I have with that is that the Ravens now have a roster decision to make every week. This game, they had four defensive linemen. Which is one too few for my tastes. They had four outside linebackers, which is kind of the minimum for the Ravens because they have a a package with four outside linebackers. They play pretty regularly, and they often have five active. And then they only had four true corners. Now they of course have um, Stevens, who can who can go play in the slot if they needed to, you know, just. If there were injuries, but or play outside uh, for that, for that matter. But that's going a person short at three different positions in order to activate five inside linebackers. I just don't see them continuing to do that. One of them is going to have to sit on a weekly basis and it ain't
3: going to be binds. No, I, I think it's a, it's a very valid issue to raise. And I, I suspect that it's already been on the table. Them at least discussing the possibility of having queen queen be a healthy scratch. Um, now, I do think there's a – I don't know if political is the right word. But there's there's a component to it that goes beyond simple, you know, roster decisions on, on a game day, though. I mean, I, I do think they, they ha- would have reservations about putting a first-round pick in that position just because it would create so much conversation. And I think they probably do have some concern about his confidence and wanting to – Oh, yeah. You know, wa- wanting to – you know, not send it in the wrong direction. And and, and and I think they may feel like if they pair him with Vines, you know, in that uh, in that will position, you know, that they can maybe build up his confidence a little bit and take advantage of his athleticism as a, as a playmaker and, and that they can sort of start to rebuild him that way without asking him to, you know, be the guy in the center. Um, so, I, I mean, I definitely think the idea of him being a healthy scratch will be on the table at times, but I don't think that's an easy decision, even right. though it might be a logical decision in a lot of ways.
2: It's, I, I would agree with you. It's going to be a very difficult decision. And I would lean heavily on the second point you made in particular. I'm not as I don't think I think the Ravens can handle the heat with a healthy scratch for absolutely anybody, including a first round pick. I think they'd be more concerned. I think the concern is very legitimate that it would ruin Queen to do it. That he would lose confidence. That he would all of a sudden he would, you know, have difficulty functioning in meetings. That he might not pick, learn as quickly. That you know, by by being a healthy scratch, he might not practice as hard. I mean, you could you could come up with a host of reasons, and none of them right now are unreasonable relative to how he's looked on the field because he does not look into it. In terms of the game right now, I'm already concerned about that. That he's just, It looks like he's shying away from contact and he does have a big contact play this week and he got hurt on it, which is, you know, it's understandable that that might happen. But but I, I'm, I'm fearful that that might further affect him in terms of desire to to, to really get in there and mix it up as, as he needs to as a linebacker.
3: No, I think they've already shown some hints of concern about um, where he is mentally. I mean, like when when Wink talked about him last week, um, he talked about feeling like queen was instead of just trying to do things he needed to do was was trying to do everything was trying trying to do everybody's job which which indi- indicates sort of a a lack of centeredness you know on 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 his purpose so they're clearly thinking about these issues i is is, is, is i guess what i what what i'm saying and you know i i agree with you that's probably that's probably the biggest factor you know in terms of whether they would they would have him as healthy scratch or not and cuz i cuz i do think they still see potential there i mean you know there's you know there's certainly a lot of a lot of tools there um so so i i certainly don't think they would want him to become a lost cause right no no i I don't think anybody wants that i mean you but you don't want that for
2: any of your players and eventually of course you you lived through the cut of tim williams you know a player who had fantastic tools and you know unfortunately they just couldn't figure him out uh, Sergio Kindle was a guy. If you look back far enough, who who had some tools, but also had some problems that that were difficult to deal with. And uh, I, I don't think I I don't know yet. Anyway, I haven't heard that that Queen is a tremendous attitude problem. But I also think that he's not the kind of guy that they're going to put on special teams to increase his value, his um, activatability on game day.
3: No, I I don't I don't know that they would do that. And not, and right, I mean, obviously, like. Uh... A casual person looking at it might might say, well, you know, they could just make Welch inactive, right? Yeah. Um but it's too valuable. Exactly. He's he's extremely yeah. valuable on special teams and we know we know how much they value that. So mm-hmm. that that's not uh it's not like you can just uh make 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 that call. Um but yeah, as as to Queen, I mean that, that's that's one of the unfortunate things about it is um he's always seemed like a like 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 a really good guy. Um like he really cares about being good and you know he's um, he's kind of always always said the right things when when he when he talks to us. Um, like he seemed he seems really engaged. I mean, the other players like him. I mean, I I, I don't I you know I don't I don't think that's the problem at all. And in, in a way that that makes it more difficult to sort of watch him struggle and watch fans get as down on him as they have because you get the sense that he really wants to be good and then he he's he thinks he's trying to do what what what's necessary to be good. And it, it it just hasn't worked. So I mean, you know, that's uh, as I said, in a lot of ways, I, I think that's more difficult. <laughs> yeah, it's,
2: it is. It's, it's a you know, it's easy. And Isaiah Thomas or somebody you have, and Isaiah Thomas, do I have that name? Or is Isaiah Wilson the the, the tackle for Tennessee right. that they drafted? Yeah, right. You know, it's easier to deal with a problem like that when he's you know out on the balcony injuring himself, you know, kind of thing. But uh, but this one is this one is a harder one. I agree. Let's, let's go move on to packages here. And, uh, Childs, if I could stop you for just a second. There's some kind of a scratching going on. I don't know if it's your cord on your lapel I'm picking up or what it is, but I'm just picking up a scratching sound like a okay. cord or something. All right. I'll, I'll move on to packages while you're while you're working on that. Technical difficulties on the show here, folks. Um, uh, real quickly, and I'll go through these very quickly from, from the article, um, the Ravens played mostly bass and nickel. Uh, pretty much everything they did was successful. So there's not too much to talk about in those terms, uh, but I'll do it very quickly. They had uh, seven base packages, uh, seven plays, 44 yards, 6.3. They played the standard nickel 32 times. So it gives you an idea of the total plays involved. 39 plays between those two packages are all Bynes. I think Bynes ended up playing, what, 41 snaps maybe in total for the game. So he played a, a snap, of goal line, and one other of something else like a jumbo nickel here. Um, but they uh, uh, they only gave up three point eight points three point eight yards per play in nickel, which is excellent, of course, over a large number of plays. Um, they played one snap of jumbo nickel, one snap of race car dime, one snap of quarter at the end of the first half. We hadn't seen that yet this year, and one snap of goal line. Uh, we don't need to go into the results on that. They played the rush dime, which was their other major defense ten times. Now they did that on. A lot of obvious down and distance situations. I'll go through real quickly. Third and 11, third and 10, third and five, third and 10, third and seven, second and 21, third and 26, third and six, fourth and 13, and one game situation, which was late in the game on a first and 10 play. Those 10 plays, 17 yards, 1.7 yards per play. That tells a lot of the story of the Ravens' success on third down in this game was the success of this uh, dime package they had on with three outside linebackers. And only board Chris board was the only inside linebacker on the field for those. All right. Um, anything struck you about defensive alignment, anything like that you want to talk about before we move on?
3: No, I mean, I, I think the, I think the main thing I noticed was exactly what, what you, what you pointed out. I mean, the, the fines was in there, you know, on, on all of the non-obvious passing downs. And then, and then board was, was, was kind of the guy on, on, on the obvious passing downs and that, again, that makes you feel like that's maybe what we're going to see going forward. Right. That, that, right. that's, that, 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 that's just kind of how, how they're going to do it. And I mean, we've seen them use board that way before sure. this year. So, so, so that's not, that, that's not a surprise, but yeah, I mean, I would, uh, I guess I would be surprised if those trends change anytime soon.
2: <clears throat> okay. So now that we understand what the trends are, we've got board is playing on passing downs. We've got binds who's playing on all other downs. Those two guys have to be active. Welch, we could say, has to be active or at least he has to be in the mix to be active because he's a special teams guy, which only really leaves Harrison and Queen. So if they're going to play thin everywhere else, basically, and I don't think they they want to play fatted inside linebacker every week because it's just too expensive. Uh, it's too risky against teams that run the ball well, for example, not to have that extra defensive lineman. And it's it's, you know, if you're. If you're running into a team that has a lot of receivers, you're going to certainly want that extra cornerback who can play the slot. So, like Pittsburgh, Price Cincinnati, you want to make sure you have the extra guys for for coverage in a game like that. I, it, I come back to it's got to be Harrison or Queen who ends up sitting, and that ends up being a very difficult decision because I think Harrison's probably outplayed Queen slightly, um, but uh, but neither one of them honestly is is playing all that great.
3: Yeah, what would be your argument for having Harrison be the guy who is active instead of Queen?
2: Um, it would be a difficult one because I think he provides a lot of the same two down thumperism. But if I had to do it, I'd say he's a better tackler than queen. Um, he's the weak side linebacker, two down thumper that matches binds. Well, it gives you a little bit less in terms of coverage on those downs, which is a little bit scary, but uh, he's a, a better compliment to have board be the other guy on passing downs. So you end up with with a reasonable set of abilities, I, any any time I put a queen in the game, I just have to say, is he really better than Harrison? Then on any particular down, and I I have trouble specifying exactly when that is. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean we I, we want that to be the case. We we certainly want him to grow into expert at at least some set of responsibilities. I just don't know what that is right now.
3: Right. And and I guess too, if you were if 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 you were playing a good running team. Mm-hmm. I guess in that case, you could certainly make a strong argument for for, for Harrison. I'm mm-hmm. almost having to be the, the choice, right?
2: Right. And, and, and also having to have that extra defensive lineman. If right. you're playing that run team. So the, right. the choice is more likely to be inflicted upon you. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, maybe uh, let's see. Pass rush, I think is next on our list here to talk about. And uh, interesting game for the Ravens pass rush. I, I, I heard the announcers talking about how the Ravens, oh, they blitz and that's what they do kind of thing during the game. Most, Tame game plan of the Martindale era, just about uh, virtually no deception. Uh, I, I did hear that the Browns rushed. Okay, I got to get this right. They rushed five plus on thirteen plays, and some Browns analysts was saying that's that's a lot. And then he, he correctly qualified it as for the Browns. Well, the Ravens rushed uh, five plus on twelve of forty-one, so it's twenty-nine percent. The Browns did, I think, nineteen percent or something, and that was a lot for the Browns. So. The Ravens, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's really a little when they only blitz 29%, but uh, uh, they were effective at pretty much everything they did, and they had, that had not been the case in recent weeks. They played some quarterbacks who kind of picked them apart, including Wentz, uh, certainly Mahomes, uh, uh, you know, who, who had their way with them.
3: And Carr, right? Yeah, Carr in, too, for sure. In week one, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was interesting. I, I I have to confess, I watching the game live – I thought they used a lot more deceptions than they actually did, and and I think that's because we we assume that they're going to right. So so like when you're when you're when you're sort of watching the fog of war, you 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 think you're seeing things that you're not seeing, especially when you see a young quarterback, uh, you know, struggling on third down. You kind of assume that it's because they're they're messing with him. But but you're absolutely right. I mean, when I, when I rewatched the game today, not not a whole not not a whole lot. Now, I mean, they did. Obviously, they brought pressure with the safeties a lot, and they brought it from mm-hmm. different places, and that worked really well. I mean, they were very effective when they, when they brought pressure, um, but you're right. There was not a lot of gimmickry to it at right.
2: all. It, and when they did bring the safeties, they usually crawled them up to the line of scrimmage advance. They showed right. blitz. That's and right. so they only had three off-ball blitzes in the entire game. They had zero stunts, which, by the way, whenever you hear zero stunts, players decide on stunts on field. So basically, Martindale said, we want to control the rush lanes. Don't do any stunting. Okay, and so that's the only way you could you could possibly get zero stunts, and then they had only four times where they used simulated pressures, where they dropped two guys or more from the line of scrimmage, and they did that, you know, three twos and one three. But it wasn't, you know, that's certainly not a lot of that. uh, And they had zero that contained any two of those elements. So not not one, as I would define it, as a deceptive pass rush. Truly, is all a bunch of you know moderately. Um, numberified stuff. They had, they had three seven-man rushes that were successful towards the end of the game. Only only one yard on those plays, but uh, uh, it's just interesting. Martindale is very adaptable to to create a plan that's appropriate to the
3: quarterback. Yeah, and I mean, I I think that that's my my sense has always been that that's what the players like about him in a way because I think I feel like that's how players see the league. That that's that that that's kind of what you what you have to do. I mean, you have to build around your talent and you have to work around the other team's talent. And we know a lot of coaches are are not able to do that, and you know I think he's he has been able to do that, and that's part of the reason he's adored, and that's part of the reason they like they like playing for him so much. Yeah, and they they adore him, and and I think you're exactly right that if if your coach
2: can find that special opportunity for you. And you know, he's looking out for you. You obviously love playing for that. I bet, you know, there were players who certainly didn't like playing for Earl Weaver because he was a, he was a pain in the ass uh, to, to, to Jim Palmer and other people. But there were a lot of players who did because they knew that he was the, you know, they would, if he if they were on the roster at all, Weaver was going to find a way to use them their talents as best they could uh get out of them. And I think the, they found the same as Wink. I look back to last year's game where they had five sacks by defensive backs. And he was obviously engineering them at the end of that game to 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 you know get one for more defensive backs, but they've got to love that kind of stuff. I think you're right on the nose with that.
3: Oh, they absolutely they absolutely do. And and I think the difference we Weaver's an interesting person. I think the difference with Weaver is that uh we were sort of made a point of not having emotional relationships with his players. Right. I mean, he, yeah. he was, he was, you know, he, he had to be able to make the difficult call all the, all, all the time. So he kept sort of kept that distance. Wink, Wink, you know, is very, I think emotionally attached to his, to his players and, you know, really, uh, you know, boosts them all the time, you know, when, when he talks about them. And, and then, you know, as you said, he kind of pairs that with finding opportunities for them on the, on the field. So, so, so yeah. Yeah. Um, and we 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 saw it in this game. I mean, he he probably blitzed every defensive back at one time or another. You know, trying trying to get him a sack. Um, well, not probably not not Marlon, but yeah, I think I think everybody else.
2: Averett <clears throat> a- was in and it got a got a pressure. So right. that that was one. Uh, and and that that was a play. By the way, he was on the line of scrimmage on that play because
3: right. there was no receiver on his side. Yeah. Right. I think Tav- Tavon rushed a mm-hmm. fair number of times for, for sure. Uh, I'll give it to you here. Jimmy, he rushed. Jimmy, Jimmy maybe once. I don't know.
2: Tavon Tavon once binds were the only other two blitzes and anybody who's over as far as the slot receiver wouldn't count. So they had Elliott, they had Clark once in to get the PD in the backfield. And they had Averitt in once on a naked side of the field where there's no receiver. So I I think that's it. But Tavon, they've used him a lot this year and he's made a lot of plays. In fact, I I think he's among the leaders in terms of just about any pass rush metric you'd have for, for corners at this point. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting. I mean, the 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 vanilla the vanilla pass rush schemes in in one sense, but it's also it's not a game where you would say that they they created their pass rush by constantly winning one on one matchups with their with their with their front four, right? I mean, Houston had a really good game, yeah, um, probably his best game for the Ravens, but still a lot of the pressure was coming from the D backs. Um, oh. A, a, a lot of unblocked pressure off the
2: outside. When right. The Chargers went wide. The, right. the, they they brought a safety up, and they got Clark and Elliott in a couple times. So yeah, those were good. Those were good pressure events. But they created 17 total pressure events in this game. And those 17 pass plays, there were a total of 25 yards. Only 1.5 yards per play. Right. Uh, on those which was really nice so uh it was it it, there were one-on-one wins in there i mean Matabika had a one-on-one bowser had a one-on-one they were piled up across a broad number of players houston had a bunch of one-on-one bull rushes that uh norton storm norton or storm Mm -hmm. norton had uh, no answer for all right let's um let's move on to player discussion so you're the guest Childs. who would you like to talk about first
3: let's see who, who who to talk about first um well, I guess we've we we've we've hinted at Elliot a few times, but uh, but but yeah, I mean, you know, this was this was a big game for Deshaun Elliott. Um, he had he had missed the last two, obviously, and he was back from his quad injury, and we we saw we we saw the impact that he can he can make right away, and we know we know he can be a physical player. So, so the idea of him coming off the edge and making a big sack on Herbert, I don't think was. Hugely surprising, although it was a very important play in the game. Um, you know, in terms of them building that 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 early momentum, but really it was the interception that you know jumped off jumped off the screen again when 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 you watched it, um, because I, I I thought that was a bad throw watching the game live, but I it really it really wasn't a bad throw. I mean, it was uh, you know it was maybe a little bit behind Cook, but. Elliot just made a really good play tra- tracking that ball. And then, and then, uh, you know, duck ducking in at the, at the last minute and sort of t- really taking it away from, from cook. And that's not the type of play we've seen him make very much, you know, for, for all the potential that we've seen from him, um, as a, as, as a hitter, as a run supporter, as sort of a charismatic guy who, who can lift the people around him at times. Um, we haven't seen him make those plays on the ball that much. So I think yeah. that was a really big deal for him. Um, now, obviously, Lamar threw an interception on on the very next play, so it, it didn't end up making as much difference in the game as, as it might have. But that doesn't obviously doesn't take away from what Elliott did at all. And, you know, there was so much talk going into the season about whether those two safeties, whether those two starting safeties could make enough plays like that, can make enough plays on the ball, game-changing plays. And so I think for him to do that in a big game against a really talented offense was a big deal and we'll probably, you know, have some effective propelling him forward.
2: Yeah, I, I I, would agree. I mean, for one thing, it was an underneath interception, which is unusual that a safety gets a real good opportunity at one of those. Usually safeties have right. overthrow opportunities, but he also had the strip that ended the drive. So uh, that, that was really good. But I tell you what, what really got me. Um, uh, what What we've been talking about a lot, frankly, on this show is that Elliott is very different from Stone in terms of how they play the deep safety role. Stone is very much a wait for the overthrow safety who positions himself a lot like Ed Reed, not as well, but a lot like Ed Reed in terms of being behind the play so he can make a play on a football that's either tipped or overthrown. Whereas Elliott has just a natural closing and hitting mentality that he's never really thinking ball when he's behind the play in a bracket. And so that's where I think that, that that's probably the reason why Elliot did not have an interception before this time. And now he gets a good interception. He hadn't had a really opportunity for a garbage interception, which, you know, some ball tipped in the air that, that maybe he'd, he'd get a shot at but because he's such a closer and a hitter. Um, and, and I hope if if I had to pick one thing for Elliot to get better at, it's that he play the back end more judiciously. You can sometimes go for the hit, but you also have to have in your pocket, in your toolkit, the ability to play you know, five, six yards off and be ready to, to uh, make a pick six on some of these overthrows because a lot of bracketed coverages end up being overthrown.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Great player, though. And boy, what a great game. I'll, I'll go second. I'll uh, I'll take Justin Houston. A uh, terrific game as a pass rusher here it stood out over all the others, and and some people had good games. OA contributed some pressures, of course. Uh, Bowser did, Campbell, you know, the, all the defensive backs that that, that rushed had had some uh, place. But Houston was the guy who had continual good pressure. He was unblocked occasionally. Uh, he had the sack, but he also drew a holding penalty on Michael on who did he drew it on on Slater. So that's on their number one draft pick, number 11, 13 overall, whatever he was. I mean, he drew a holding penalty on him. Uh, Houston, a very savvy guy still. And with an inside rush, he's able to beat a number one draft pick and and uh, and uh, draw a hold. I don't know if you, if you caught this, but uh, Michael Schofield pulled on a play. I, I assume it was from right to left and not to right to further right. But Schofield got stood up by Houston on a play and then that ended up being just an RR one for Eckler, a run right for one. Uh, but but Houston didn't make the tackle, but he clearly made the play. Right. I just thought that was kind of cool that uh, that he was involved in that. So good contributions, run and pass. But but he was the best of the Ravens pass rushers in this game.
3: And I felt like there was at least one uncalled hold too on on, on him. Maybe 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 more than one. Um, so he was uh... yes. <laughs> I mean, and, and I think he only played 25 snaps, but it, it felt like he made an impact on the majority of the steps that he played, which, yeah. you know, you can't ask for more than that.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know how many times he dropped officially. I have I have three where he dropped from the line of scrimmage. I can't imagine he really lined up off the line of scrimmage, so it's probably three. Uh, so it's, a, it's still, that's 22 snaps, and you're making a point, a great point about frequency. I mean, it's it's a batting average thing for for pass rushers who try and win one-on-one. you got to win as many as you can per at-bat. And uh, and he did a great job in this game. Yeah, yeah, no question about this signing at this
3: point. Um, no, I mean it, it's such a, such a low risk signing in the first place that I mean if he can give you even a couple of games like this against this kind of opponent, it's it's absolutely worth it. And I think he's been I think he's been solid by and large for for for, for the whole season. I mean, you know, he's 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 solid against the run too. So so no, I mean, you know, I don't. I, yeah, I I I think that's an easy call at this point.
2: Yeah. I I do too. I was hoping you'd go down the route of what you thought he's taught some of the other inside linebackers or outside linebackers, because you're probably a little closer to that than I am. You know, I've seen videos and yeah. I've been very positive about it, but where are you on it?
3: No, that's that that's that's absolutely true. And they they have talked about that um really since training camp. Um OA calls him Yoda. Um <laughs> now we're was, talking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which which houston does houston has the 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 bald the 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 gleaming dome and you know he's obviously uh you know he's uh you know he's he's a fairly reserved guy when he talks to us houston is um i mean he'll he'll uh he'll say something funny every once in a while but he, he generally keeps his answers uh pretty 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 tight and 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 to the point but um yeah, no, I, it's 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 been clear from from really August on that the the younger guys do have an affinity for him, and uh, you know, we'll see uh, we'll see what difference that makes. I mean, whether whether that's been part of OA being so much more productive than maybe we expected him to be, I I don't know, but it can't hurt. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I I felt the same way. Ferguson having the big preseason, I thought, well, maybe this is finally him turning it around. And obviously, we've had the COVID difficulties and whatnot. But uh, but that that uh, you know Houston had had impact on him, and I kind of wondered why had McPhee not had that impact on him? Because McPhee also seems like a very likable player who who the other players would look up to, and I'm just I'm just wondering why would they not also develop this relationship?
3: McPhee certainly has. Uh, certainly plays the role of I think kind of an emotional leader for the whole defense at times. I mean, you know, a lot of times he'll give the he'll give the talk in the in in the huddle um after they've done pregame warm-ups and, and, and they go back into the into the locker room. Um so so he has that um that that, that kind of veteran cachet. I, I don't know that I don't know that we've ever thought of McPhee as sort of a brilliant technical pass rusher though. I mean I mean you know and I think the Ravens at this point see McPhee probably is more of a force against the run than, than, than against the pass. So I, I, you know, I think the younger players just view Houston as more of sort of a pass rushing wizard that, that, that he has more moves and, you know, he's, he's very interested in talking about that too. I mean, he's clearly into playing that role. He likes sort of sharing all the wisdom he's accrued with, with, with the younger players. So it, it just seems like, you know, between skill set and demeanor, there's it, kind of a natural fit. Okay. Well, that, that,
2: that certainly makes sense as an answer. The thing I've always loved about there's two things I've always loved about McPhee as a pass rusher. One thing is violent hands. Yes. And, you know, we, we notice other pass rushers who don't have violent hands. It, that, that, I mean, it might be complex to learn how to do that. To learn how to use it effectively, certainly. I could believe it was very it would be very complex. Uh, but, it, but it also seems like communicable that, that hey, here's what I do to get my hands fast for a game here. This is what I do to build up the muscle memory. We've seen that some of those videos from Houston kind of kind of going through that. But the second also is that McPhee had a thunderous first step on the inside that really drove the 2014 pass rush. So they they had 56 sacks that year, second most in Ravens history. And even though Suggs and Doomerville were piling up the biggest numbers on the outside, it was really McPhee from the inside who was driving that by consistently commanding these double teams, crossing the face of players, enabling stunts, doing a whole bunch of other things that were positive. And there just seems to be a lot of portable skills from a guy like McPhee who plays two positions. And if, if he's not a leader in that way, it's too bad because, because an opportunity is being missed is what I would say about it. But maybe, maybe it's just not who he is.
3: Well, and I, first of all, I think, I think McPhee would enjoy hearing your description of him as a player. Cause, 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 cause I, I, I think that's how he, that's how he thinks of, of, of himself. Um, and, and he's, he's, he's very into sort of tapping into that old school aggression. That was, Associated with the, sort of the classic Ravens defenses, right? I think I think he sort of sees himself as a torchbearer of, of of that legacy, and and so I I don't in any way want to suggest that he's that he's not a leader because because I, I I mean I, I think that he is. I just haven't heard the younger players talk about him as a sort of pass rushing technician okay. advisor, um, you know. I, but but I think emotionally again, I think he's he's very very much one of the leaders of the defense, even though he's not playing a huge number of snaps this year.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, all right well wonderful let's see so i talked i brought up houston i guess it's your turn to bring up number three here whoever that is
3: yeah um how about, how about calais campbell sure. um i i feel like he has been and I, I don't know if in the context of this show but i i feel like he's been he's been probably a little unsung through 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 the first six weeks at least in terms of we haven't been talking about him a lot. We haven't been writing about him a lot. We probably are taking him a little for granted. He doesn't have a sack, which is sort of the the stat that you know a, a casual person looks at, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I just feel like he's been rock solid game after game, and I thought he was again in this game. I mean, it seemed like every time they had a good stop on Eckler, and they really did. They they really never let Eckler get going as 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 a runner. I mean, the the Chargers tried to establish him early in the game, and and just got got no traction on it. And it seemed like every time I saw them um, stonewalling Eckler, Campbell was right in the middle of it. You know, sort of, sort of, sort of piling up. You know, one or two blockers, and you know, sometimes making the play himself. Sometimes, uh, you know, just setting it st- up. Yep. Yeah, setting up, stopping the momentum. And uh, I think if you, you know, as you review the games this year, we've we've seen that from him over and over. And so, I mean, I, he he deserves the the, the recognition. I, you know, I, I think generally he's. He's played at a higher level than he did for a lot of last year. And uh, in a lot of ways, he's been the most consistent player on the defense, I think.
2: Oh, I think he's been the best player on the defense by far. I, and yeah. you mentioned the, 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 the nature of the show and my articles regularly come out on defense. Well, I, I divide it up and I have one section that's star treatment, it's called, where I, where I go through every note I took of a player who had a lot of notes during the game. And, and Campbell is uh, a player who probably would have been on there every single week from the absolute number of notes taken because there's just an unbelievable number of plays that he impacts. But I've taken him off a couple of times just because I want to do some other players. You
3: don't want to be boring. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> so, but I mean, I think people do want to hear the Campbell stuff, but he's, he's been on the defensive MVP list every single week of the entire season. So it's just, it's, it's, uh, you know, he's been by far the Ravens' best defender overall. I mean, I think the, the, the only guy who's, who's close and he's a level down would be maybe a Chuck Clark. Who's who's really having a terrific year, too. That's a and I mean,
3: awesome. you know, he's 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 a big man. He's 35 years old and mm. he's playing 75 percent of the defensive yeah. snaps. And they're they're asking a lot of him um, yeah. in, in, in context. And he is uh, he's really delivering. Yeah.
2: Outstanding, outstanding player. So much fun to see him back and uh, very worthwhile signing again. I mean, a lot of people it's a lot of money. Um, and it's going to be over after this year, which is going to provide some of the money they need to sign uh, Jackson, of course. And so is Williams. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but th- these were very good signings. And uh, it's the kind of signing you don't get to make a lot of times when you don't have a rookie, con- uh, a rookie contract quarterback. I'm going to move on and talk about Marlon Humphrey here. Uh, he did so many good things in this game. It's it's really uh, hard to talk about. it, But they didn't really target him much. When they did target him, they weren't successful. Uh, third and three, he nearly intercepted the pass to Eckler. Fourth and three, they went right back at him. And he uh, uh, the ball was incomplete. He dislodged the ball uh, with, a, with a very nice hard hit. Uh, by the way, he's, he shares a lot of characteristics with um, Elliott. It's not... It's not unexpected that he'd be a fumble causer as opposed to be an, an interceptor. And he has picked up some interceptions, of course, over the years. But he's not Dwayne Starks. and He's not Chris McAllister because he really doesn't play the football. He plays the man and the ball. He plays the man and when the ball gets there, it doesn't track the ball exceptionally well for a
3: quarterback. But Well, and that's why he and Peters are such a great pairing too, right? Because yeah. that's Peter. Peters is the salt and pepper. The exact opposite, right? Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, very, very much. Uh, yeah, it's a, and and Peters, boy, the loss of him. I I think if if we have to talk about the various losses they've suffered, and you know, obviously losing a number one and number two running back is terrible, but um, Ronnie Stanley is terrible. I I think you could make the case uh, that other than Stanley, that the Peters injury is is the most significant because. Uh, there was a guy, even though the Ravens are deep at the position and they've had still had good cornerbacks this year, um, that really fit very well with the with the pressure this defense can put on in terms of how he knows how to make a play on the football uh, and how he knows what the pass rush is doing relative to where he is on the field.
3: Well, and there's only there's only a handful of guys in the league who have his skill set. I mean, right. you, you just can't pluck another one off the tree. Right. I mean, that's just not yeah. there. There isn't another one. So, yeah. Yeah. But no, I th- I thought Marlin was tremendous in this game. I mean, again, just like with, with with Campbell, I mean, you felt like so many times when you saw them make a positive play, you know, against the pass, he was right. He was right in the middle of it. And I mean, I feel like he, he he took Mike Williams out of the game, really. No, I mean, yeah. I know I know Williams was dealing with an injury as well, uh, so 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 that may have factored into it to some degree. But uh, but Marlin uh, really locked him up.
2: Yeah, he didn't. He didn't do anything before he left the game, and I guess I, one of them was Cook. I think the other one was Williams. But as soon as the ball was bobbled anywhere by their receivers, or it didn't come cleanly to their to their midsection, that was an incomplete pass in this game. A lot of more missed throws by by Herbert to the outside, where he just didn't seem to have good judgment on the on the field, or maybe he's under pressure and was missing some throws. Some of them were forced overthrows under pressure, certainly where, where there's a man between him and the receiver. But the, the other plays where the ball was close, I mean, the receivers would would you know touch it. Eckler had one, obviously that got that got knocked away, almost intercepted by Humphrey, and we had, uh, you know, we had one in the middle of the field. I forget if it was if it was Bynes, uh, sorry, if it was Cook or Williams, and then another one with Williams, where you know the ball just kept getting dislodged, play after play, from a juggling player.
3: And it, it was it was interesting. I watching again watching the game live, I felt like Herbert was just terrible. And then when I rewatched the game today, I, 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 thought, I thought, I thought he was better than, better than I had thought watching, watching live that, that he was, he was at least often making the right read. And, and I thought his receivers did not do him a lot of favors in yeah. terms of, uh, in terms of holding to those balls or sort of, sort of winning those, the, those contested plays. I mean, as you said, they didn't seem to win any of them. Um, and, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I didn't think he played a great game. I mean, I, I thought, I thought there were a lot of errant plays, and he didn't, deal with the pressure all that well but um there there were plays that there were pivotal points of the game when the game was still on the table where where they did not help him <laughs> <clears throat>
2: Yeah, I I agree with you. I think I I would kind of grade Herbert's performance is still not very good, although I, I do blame the receivers considerably for this. They, he had a lot of time to throw at times during this game, and a 41 pass, he had 15 where he had ample time and space. That's a right. good amount right. of opportunities to have a three-second pocket. He should have picked the Ravens apart. Instead, he threw a very average number of yards on the play: 7.3 yards per play on those. So that's, that's not particularly good. In fact, it's particularly bad. Yeah. For, for that kind of opportunity. And, uh, you know, it's that that was really where it fell apart for him. And he, he, he had some some deep off target throws, uh, but it was a lot of uh, it was a lot of throws to the sideline, frankly, that were that were overthrows, which uh, which, you know, were, were some lost opportunities, certainly.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh, I think it's your turn again.
3: Oh God, it is! It is!
2: It is! It is my you want turn to talk right? about the safeties? I know. So
3: yeah, we could talk about Chuck Clark too, because um, he's. I mean, you. I, I think you said it when we were talking about Campbell. I mean, he, he's another guy where it feels like this year you you could talk about him almost every week. I mean, he's been he's been very consistent, and. Um, I mean, look. I, I don't. I don't think the story with Clark has changed all that much. I mean, he's he's kind of a guy who is not spectacular in any area, but he does everything pretty well. And I think we saw that. We, we saw that again in this game. I mean, you know, he had the, he, he had the nice read on the, on on the play on the, on the, on the first drive where he, where he batted away the, the pass to the flat to, to Eckler uh, when, when he was, he was coming into pressure. Um, he had some, he had at least one nice play as a pass rusher. The, the specifics of it are not, are not sticking out in my mind. Um, but again, you, you just, you just sort of get this nice uh, variety of platter from him, Almost, almost every game, and, you know, you can, you can sort of lose track on that, but he probably deserves a little more credit than, 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 than he's getting. I mean, he's certainly not a name that I think fans of any other team are thinking about when, when, they're, when they're looking to Ravens matchup, but he finds a way to, uh, to put his imprint on, on more games than not.
2: Yeah, when I mean, you have a lot of specialists on a team, that are good at one particular. You know, that's what a specialist is. They're good at one particular thing. So you have, uh, you know, maybe a player is a great pass rusher and not that good a not that good at stopping the runner. You have a player like Bowser who's a great outside linebacker and dropping to coverage, and and a you know a less than great individual pass rusher or edge setter. Um, when it comes to just that, not terrible, but just less than great. Um, it's great to have a guy like Clark who's a plus at like everything. But he's a plus coverage guy. He's a plus run stopper. He's a plus pass rusher. You know, it's great to have a guy like that. I think, you know, the return of Elliott really showed that the Ravens probably have another one. Uh, maybe not as great as Clark because Clark, you know, organizes the defense, at least on the back end, very well. But uh, it's, it, he's absolutely critical to this defense. I can't imagine the Ravens trying to be without Chuck Clark at this point.
3: And I I think, I mean, to me at least, they have showed that, that they're an above average safety tandem. Um <laughs> Whereas I, I think the talk coming into the season was that they were a very average safety tandem. I, I, I think they're better than that. And, yeah. and, and as you said, I think that's a big deal of this defense.
2: All right. Now, I, why don't we we'll move on to MVPs and then I want to move on to the mailbag. And I, I don't know if you can bring this up on Twitter or on, your, uh, on your machine where you are, but if you could bring up pounds or sorry, hashtag film study mailbag and we can kind of alternate picking questions. But maybe I'll, I'll while you're doing that, I'm going to go through my defensive MVP's respond to it in any way you like. Um, my number three guy is is Marlon Humphrey for this game. Uh, obviously, we've talked about a lot of this great game in terms of shutting down a, a, a top receiver. It, really, neither of them got going. Neither Williams or Allen had a had a particularly good game.
3: Um. So, am I supposed to react, or am I supposed to pick my own now?
2: <laughs> or, or pick your, either, 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 both? But, you know, react to this, and then pick your own.
3: <laughs> no, we 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 agree on Humphrey. Um, he would. I mean, he 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 would be on my top three. But I'll 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 go I'll go with Bynes um, just because you know what, what, what we talked about his his overall effect the sort of calming down the the middle which had been uh, such a, a troublesome point for them for for the entire year. So so I mean I think I think. You know he made he made really good plays in the game, but but there's a, even even a bigger picture uh, effect that uh, deserves to be recognized.
2: Yeah, absolutely, no no argument at all on that. Uh, my number two guy is uh, Justin Houston. I think we talked about it enough, but he's just a prolific pass rusher in this one. Only 22, I think, pass rush snaps, so uh, very effective uh, at what he did. Made some plays against the run as well. Drew one hold, and you you mentioned and you mentioned that you thought there was another hold, and there was. I've got it actually. Mentioned in my article about him, so uh, yeah, he, it was a terrific game, and he's going to get a fair number of those calls. I think you know that's something I think people don't really put enough stock in. But if you if you draw an intentional grounding flag, that is a sack. If you if you draw a holding flag, you know you've really helped your team with the kind of um, high variance play that helps a defense get off the field. And I think we tend to not count those for pass rushers the way we should, and and really revel in them as as we do sacks.
3: No, I agree with you. I mean we we are, we already talked about Houston and, you know, how he uh how he affected the game on on the majority of, of snaps that he was on the field. So so I th- I think he's he's a worthy choice. Um I you know, I'll 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 go with with Campbell as sort of my representative of the of, of of the defensive front because again, uh he was uh he was he was a positive player on on so many plays and and, and I thought was was probably the most responsible for cutting off their their running game early. Um and and you know, he's been He's been such a, such a good, consistent player for, for the whole year. Yeah, I, I
2: wouldn't argue with that, not even for a second. My number one player, probably going to be yours, too, Deshaun Elliott coming back. Uh, three drive-ending plays in one game. That is very difficult to do uh, for one player. But he had, of course, the sack to the end a drive. Uh, he had a uh, quarterback hit on third and three. Which set up fourth and three. That was the play where where Humphrey nearly had the interception off Eckler's hand. Then on third and ten, he he dislodged the ball from Cook over the middle of the field. And then uh, let's see, he threw to Keenan Allen. Oh no, no, that was I'm sorry, that was the that was the third play, the quarterback hit, and then the and then the bobbling Cook uh, passed dislodged. So that was three drive ending plays for for Elliott in this game.
3: Yeah, I would agree that 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 Elliott, Elliott gets the uh, gets gets the trophy well well earned. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right.
2: So let's go over to the film study mailbag if we can, because we got a lot of good questions from today and before about this. Uh, I will I will take the first one from Mr. Ed here. Can you able to grade or evaluate Brandon Stevens' performance by position, a strong safety, free safety, cornerback? Um, okay. I'll start uh, Ed with saying I, I don't think Brandon Stevens has played a whole lot of cornerback this year, and between strong safety and free safety, that's a more difficult distinction. Within the Ravens system, uh, I, I I would like to see him eventually become a free safety on, on kind of a permanent basis where he's playing the back end more. But he's been up close to the line of scrimmage. And frankly, a lot of his good plays have been up close to the line of scrimmage, either in, in short zone coverage or against the run.
3: Yeah. And I thought um, I, I thought he made really good use of, of limited snaps last night. Um, maybe maybe his best game of the season on a per on snap basis. Now, I mean, obviously, he was on the field. Far less than he had been the previous week when he made a lot of tackles, but uh, yeah. I thought I, I thought he was. I think he only played like what thirteen defensive snaps or something like that last night. And but but I thought he was. Uh, I thought he was very very good. And and Harbaugh also signaled him out in kind of the post game news conference. You know, say, saying that with Elliott back, um, having Elliott um, Clark Clark and Stevens all together, he sort of really liked that total package and and, and, and how they all seem to fit together. And sure. thought, thought, thought that, you know, Stevens, Stevens is really a better player when, when Elliott's back as well. Well,
2: I agree. And and that
3: really allows the Ravens to play that dime
2: defense with the personnel they'd like to. Because they can get Jimmy Smith on the field as the third safety if they want to, and then they're limited to play him on the back end. But Stevens and those guys can can – can function anywhere within the three positions. And so if, if you generally speaking would bring up Clark to be your dime back in that situation, play the other two deep in a, in a cover two shell or have one deep and the other one is able to roam and robber or be up the line of scrimmage or rush the passer or, or whatever, but it's better to have those three than have Jimmy Smith because Jimmy Smith, as much as I love him, I don't think I want him risking his, risking his head and neck and shoulder area rushing the passer at this point. He's too valuable as the next backup corner for the Ravens to risk at safety.
3: Yeah, and I mean, Jimmy we 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 saw him make a uh, a very nice play and or I don't know if you call it a play, but he was he he was had very good coverage on a on a deep attempt by Herbert early in the game yesterday, which, you know, again, if that play goes differently, you know, the the tide of the game might be different. So, you know, I mean, we was we still see Jimmy uh be when I mean, he can't do it 50 snaps a game anymore, but you know, if he's playing 15 snaps a game, he could still have some some real standout moments in coverage. Absolutely. It,
2: it, it's incredible how, no matter how the season ends up going, he starts the season not as a starter. And then at some point, they need him as the starter. And you hope that that can last when it does. But, but you know, obviously a player who's older and, and injuries are going to be an ongoing problem. But whenever he's in there, I mean, even in limited snaps, he seems to play very well.
3: I think they would really like to avoid having to do that this year. Well, I mean, I not, not I think. I know they would really like to avoid having to do that this year and it's exactly what, it's because of what you just said they they think he can be s- so valuable in limited snaps for 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 the entire season and if he could be available to them as that kind of weapon you know in december and january that would be such such a boost for the, for their overall picture whereas if for some reason they were forced to play him on the outside as a starter I, you know i think i think they and probably he even would would be very worried that that would only last a few weeks yeah so. Yeah.
2: Do, do you have any um, insider knowledge or any kind of think thoughts about Chris Westry's return? Because he's a guy who really has the tools to play that outside corner spot that that the Ravens would most like to use Smith at. Uh,
3: no, that's a good question. We we have not uh, we have not asked for an, an update on Westry for for a while. So so no, I I, I actually don't. Um, and I agree with you. I mean they were they were using him to good effect before he, before he got hurt, and you know I. At that time, at least, his injury seemed like a big deal. Now, I mean, I think they've they've been able to, they've, they've been able to deal with it at this point. But, uh, but no, we have not gotten an update on, on Westry for, for a while.
2: All right. Nice to be – it would be nice to hear these bad. Do you want to read another question or you want me to Yes.
3: No, I could do it. Um, so this one is from Ravens Bank. Um, Patrick Queen posted his highest defensive grade of the year uh, per pro football focus in limited snaps yesterday. Was the improvement a product of his reduced role next to Bynes? a result of small sample size due to injury or a little of column A and a little of column B? <laughs> um, well, pro- it, probably a little of column A, a little, a little, little of column B. Um, he did, he did have the one, he did have one really nice play early in the game yesterday. And, and I think, as you said, it was the one, it was the one he got hurt on, right. Uh, where he, he shed a block and um, he cut off the, the ring back. It wasn't Eckler. Was it, it was, it was, was it Kelly?
2: He, he, he did make another good play earlier that you're pointing to. That's correct. That's correct. That was
3: not the play he got hurt. Okay. But That was not the play he
2: got hurt. Okay. But yes. Uh,
3: okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, so, so anyway, the, the, the running play, um, I, I feel like he, he did something that he has been criticized for not doing, which was that he was, he was able to, he was able to shed a block and um, he made a really strong hit, brought the breath of running back right down. The running back had gotten through the line the of scrimmage with momentum and it looked like, you know, he might get a, get a bigger play and and Queen was able to make a one-on-one tackle and and bring him down and 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 prevent that and uh and yeah he had some he had a few I think he only played 19 defensive snaps uh had a few had a few good plays also had some some lapses uh where it looked like he would overrun his assignment or you know be 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 out of place but um it it, it certainly did you know and, and and again this was this was the feedback from from Harbaugh they felt like he just seemed more comfortable and was in a more appropriate role playing, playing that will spot next to binds in, in, the mic spot. And, uh, you know, I, I, think that's what everybody saw who, who watched, who watched the game. And I would expect to, to see more of it going forward.
2: So I'll, I'll say three quick things, no, no missed tackles. So that's a big change from Queens. To right. This is his first game I believe with no missed tackles. So that was positive. Um, you know if you look at pff scoring system they overweight missed tackles relative to other events their bat, their scoring system is bounded and a, a missed tackle is a very bad play and so is for example giving up a long pass play And they 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 don't really have the weighting correct for that, which probably means they slightly underrate Queen who Queen is from last year, for example, uh, for all the missed tackles he had. So I I I understand that this is this is a game where he avoided missed tackles. He comes out with a high PFF grade. I I thought I don't want to belabor this point. The only play that really counts against Queen for me in this game was the was the twelve men on the field, and that that to me that's just such a. If it was truly his fault and it wasn't that they were both supposed to be off and board was supposed to be on, then it's a, it's a very serious, egregious error. I mean, we look back to the time of Shockey Brown, and he lost his job immediately mean, to do that. He, Shockey Brown was a nickelback who forgot to get on the field on a third and 34 situation. And all of a sudden, you see him running on from the sideline after they had two straight sacks against Pittsburgh. And fortunately, Elvis Dumerville got to the got for the third consecutive sack. But Shockey Brown was gone from the team that, that week. And uh, it's was, it was just one of those plays that in in, in Ravens history, you know, that's not going to that's not going to cut it. Um, I, you know, I, I, I agree with your comments that you otherwise that you made about having a big brother on the field next to him it was very calming for him. It, it really helps him to have a handler. I thought L.J. Ford did a good job with him last year in terms of telling more to be on a play in terms of instructing him without emoting. Like one of the things you see from from Humphrey on the field, you saw in the tackles, uh, you know, what, two weeks ago or whatever, and then we've seen it in Denver, and then we've seen it a bunch of other times where he gets furious with another player on the field, and it's, it happens to have often been Queen that is the guy. He's, he is receiving that ire, whereas Fort knows how to give him a low five with advice, and and and, uh, and Bynes probably knows how to reposition him and not make a big deal out of an error.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um... I guess I guess one other one other play that that someone else brought up when we were talking about Queen today, and 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 I don't, I don't know if you took a careful look at this one or not, and I I, I have to confess I, I did not, so I don't know if he if he bears responsibility for this this or not, but the um the screen where Madabikay made a nice play to trip up the the runner from behind, um someone suggested that Queen might have
2: overran the play,
3: yeah, um and- that the, 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 maybe that play would have. Would have turned into a big play and been on him if if Abike had not had not made that nice alert play to to trip him up from behind. But yeah, I
2: I know we've got that in our notes here from the I'm game. Not sure about that. I'm, tr- I'm trying to find it, uh, but but I know Abike's <clears throat> nice pursuit was definitely noted. I will tweet something about that later. I'm not I'm not going to have the answer right now. Sorry about that, Charles. No,
3: no, that's fine. Um, but you know, I, I I did. I mean, I asked Harbaugh today directly about about Queen and you know whether he felt that he had. Shown promising signs in in his more limited role, and he said that he felt that he had um that you know they're still kind of indicated they're they're still hoping for more and it's kind of a wait and see thing i mean but that there there were at least some 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 glimmers that that they liked, and he also did say that he would have played more snaps probably if not for the if not for the thigh injury so yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, he, he started off playing a lot of snaps. Uh, oftentimes, the Ravens rotate their players by quarter. And I don't know why they do that. Maybe it's just a luck of the draw thing that they want to say, well, it might work out or it might not, but here's how we're going to do it. Instead of, you know, one of them saying, well, he got to play more than I got to play kind of thing. Well, we divide it up by quarter. You know, it's easier for them to kind of do that. Uh, but yeah, I, I you know, there there were certainly positive signs from from Queen in this game. There, the, I, I don't think there were a lot of plays you could point to where you say, Queen totally didn't do his job on this play. And, and, you know, we, we hit on those already. So let's not beat him up. I'm going to go, we'll go with two more questions in the mailbag, Then we'll have to cut it off here. Um, I'll I'll go with this. It looks like this is from Shea Oran. He says, it looks like veteran QBs like Carr, Goff, and Wentz handle Wink's defense better than more talented young quarterbacks like Herbert. Is it by better understanding of pressure schema or just coincidence? I'm going to go ahead and say that the guys who released the ball quickly so far this year until until Bynes has been in the game this week have been the guys that have really burned the Ravens. And the reason they've done that is because they know how to take advantage of inside linebackers. Um, and, you know, whenever they release the ball, they know how to take advantage of the short game. That can be a screen. It could be anything where a running back leaks out of the backfield late. But generally those those um, those quick release guys have had a better chance to do that. The guys who are looking to be long distance bombers uh, have have more trouble and I think Herbert actually probably falls more into that category as a, as opposed to a guy who throws a lot of a lot of short passes. I think of him more as a long ball thrower
3: yeah it's it's interesting I mean that that's certainly the perception of him you know because he's because he's got the you know, he has one of the best arms in the league, but I mean, I I think if you really look at the numbers this year, I mean, he's, he's, he's made a lot of hay throwing, throwing shorter to Eckler and, and Allen and had gotten the ball off pretty, pretty quickly. Um, So, so I actually coming into the game, I, I figured he would have success preying on the Ravens in the way that a lot of those other guys did that, that, you know, he probably wouldn't have a huge game throwing downfield to Williams, but that, um, he probably would have a lot of success moving up and down the field, throwing to Eckler and Keenan Allen. Um, I think it's credit to the Ravens defense in a lot of ways that, that, that that didn't happen as far as whether it's more young quarterbacks versus not young quarterbacks. I mean, I know it's been the perception whenever the Ravens play, you know, a, a rookie quarterback or a quarterback in the first couple of years that, that they're going to have a heck of a time, you know, keeping up with Winks blitzes and, you know, his his disguise coverages, all, all, all that stuff i I can't say that I've seen any definitive evidence of that in terms of a in terms of a good study that that w- would show a clear difference i i just i I don't know the answer it's it's something that would seem to make sense and we've certainly seen it in individual cases but i I don't really know that that's the case overall i mean i I think you're 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 probably right to point to the style being more important than the experience per se because I mean you know I know I know we don't we don't tend to put Mahomes in this class because Mahomes is just a brilliant player and we always see him as different, but I mean, he... He was a very young quarterback, you know, the first few times that he played against Wicks defense, and he had no trouble at all. So, you know, I, I, it's <laughs> it's more about the skills and 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 the approach probably than than pure experience. I,
2: I'll show my age on a little bit. First of all, I want to agree that by AWS <laughs> standards, he's the fifth fastest release. So you're right on that. But I should have brought that up even as a point, because that's certainly one of the things which makes him more like a Roethlisberger or a Goff, a guy who, you know, gets, wants to get rid of the ball quickly. Uh, a little jittery under pressure, but but he was. But going back, and I'll show my age on this one. Uh, you know, Eli Manning and Ryan Leaf, and they were talking about 2004 and 2000. You know, they put up quarterback ratings under four. Eli Manning actually 0.0 in his first game against the Ravens <laughs> in Baltimore. Uh, but you know, it, it, it's not like there aren't a lot of probably very good cases over the years. But I think you're right that that you know, there's a lot of good young quarterbacks in the league that share some of the mobility that Jackson has, although not on the same level, of course. Um, that has just been very effective against the Ravens uh, uh, early in their careers, uh, recently. So yeah, I can, I, 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 I can see you've been covering the Ravens since when, or, or been a Ravens fan. I forget if you're even a Baltimore guy and I apologize for that child. No,
3: no, that's fine. Right. I, no, I am. I, I am a Baltimore guy. Um, I was, uh, I was, I was living elsewhere. I was in college when they, when they first came here, but, but yeah, I mean, I've been back here since Oh one. So I've, I've seen, uh, I've seen the, the, the vast majority of, of their run here. And I mean, I've been covering them close to full time since 2012. So, yeah. Okay.
2: No, that's, yep. a, that's a great run. Um, by the way, I definitely need to get you on for a historical episode about the Ravens
3: 25 years. So Yeah, no, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll do that for sure. For <laughs> sure. Um, do you want to do one more question? Yeah, sure. Um, do, you, do you do you have it queued up? I, I do not. I, I do. Uh, okay.
2: So we'll go to... Okay, this is a question I wanted to get to. Um, the Ravens had their best defensive performance of the year against Herbert and a red hot chargers team. No one could stop. No one could stop. Bynes played 43 snaps. Queen and Harrison played 19 and 14 respectively. Uh, Is Josh Bynes, the Ravens most important defensive player. Or is there a significant other tactical changes the Ravens made that led to this dominant performance? Uh, I was convinced Herbert and Eckler were going to torch our defense yesterday. We have covered some of this already, certainly, in the game. But it's an interesting question as to whether he's the most important player. Because sometimes it's a player who's just a little bit above average. And I think that's what Bynes is you know, at his best right now in terms of, of who he is as an inside linebacker. Who's replacing a very, very poor player who might even be below the replacement level is really hurting you um that 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 can make all the difference in the world and hopefully Patrick Queen you know gets it figured out and Harrison as well and they work uh, you know out of the will spot as uh you know into better players you know down the road in more limited responsibilities
3: yeah I, I mean i i i would not call him the most important defensive player no um but could he be one of the most important players to the story of their defense this year yes as 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 he was in 2019. Yep. I mean, I, I you know, he was not their most important defensive player in 2019 either. He was not their best defensive player, but in terms of the um, you know story of their defense over over that season, he was a huge part of getting it getting getting on a track and you know getting them on that remarkable winning streak. You know, and uh, too early to say if that'll be the case now. I mean, you know, we may be we may be looking at this very differently in in three weeks. Who who, who knows? But um, you know, it, it certainly has some of the, some of the same feel. Um, But I don't think you could say he's more important than Marlon Humphrey or more important than Clayus Campbell. Um, But, you know, important, important to the arc of the season. Yes.
2: Sure. All right. So uh, child, it's always a pleasure to talk football with you. This was just fabulous to be able to spend over an hour and appreciate your patience in doing so and taking this extra time. Uh, Talk a little bit about what you're writing about at the sun now.
3: Yeah. So you can, you can read me, uh, on the Ravens in various ways every week, you know, after five, five AM the morning after the game, uh, my five things we learned, uh, about, about the game is, is, is up. Um, so that's, uh, that's, that that, that's, that's probably the thing that people know best, but, you know, I, I do the, um, I do a snap count analysis the morning after the game as well. Um, do the scouting report every week, which would usually post on the Thursday or Friday before the game. And then, you know, would write, uh, would write a, a a feature or two, uh, you know, sort of, sort of looking ahead to the, to, to the game each week. So you can, uh, you can read me in, in, in multiple ways every, every week. And, uh, obviously our coverage goes, uh, goes well beyond me. Uh, you know, Jonah Shaper is, is our beat writer and, you know, I think does a, does a terrific job of also finding good feature angles and digging into the X's and O's with his film studies. So, you know, I, I think, uh, and obviously we have, we have Mike, Mike Preston in, in, in the column hole, uh, after, after, after many years still. So, so you get, you get a nice, uh, Nice overall package every week.
2: Yeah, I, I I really appreciate the Sun. I mean, I'm still an old school read the newspaper guy in the morning, and and uh, I really appreciate the writing you guys done. And and I, I agree that Jonas has really uh, uh, brought some very um deep analysis, frankly, to, to what he does is he does a very good job with it. And I, I you know, I think the world of your stuff too. I think the the um the the previews for the games are something I always look forward to on Sunday. And I, I appreciate seeing your you assimilate the information there and and lay it out for fans. That's that's always you or is it sometimes somebody else?
3: It's pretty much always it's pretty much always me. Um you know there will be a week every once in a while where you have to we have to scramble things up. But yeah it's usually me.
2: Okay. Now you're, when it's not football season, do you write for other things? Cause I know you've been a front page writer and you've done all this important local news. What's, what else have you been writing about?
3: I've done, I've done a lot of different things. Um, <laughs> well, so last year during, during the, during, during COVID, I, I, I was back doing a lot of news stuff for for a while there, uh, doing, doing a lot of uh, pandemic related stories, but, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm back in back, back doing the full-time sports gig at least. So, um, come the end of football season, um, I will do, uh, I mean, I do the, I do the triple crown horse racing stuff every, every spring. Um, I will, uh, I'll do some basketball stuff here and there. Um, do stuff related to our local Olympians. I mean, I've, I've, I've always kind of been the the point person for our Olympic stuff or not always, but, but for a long time I, I have. So yeah, it's always been, it's, it's always been some variety for me, which, which, which I, I enjoy, um, because I come from, uh, I started. I started as a as a news writer, not a, not as a sports writer. So so I like to keep it. Uh, I like to keep the variety.
2: It's it's nice that they let you keep your foot in both uh, both buckets. and that's that's really a, a, a nice that the organization would let you do that. I guess they're they're always looking to go cheap, right? So they can they, if you can get two for the price of one, that's great. I was, I was going to say. I think. <laughs>
3: not, no, no way, intending to shoot my own horn. I, but I think they, I think they get a, I think they get a good deal because they, they know, they know, they know they can throw me on whatever, and I'll, uh, I'll figure it out at least mostly.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, Charles, thanks so much for joining us, uh, folks. If you're if you're looking to do a 25 years podcast, you've you've probably been seeing it out there. Any individual component of Ravens history, love to hear from you. DM me on Twitter. They're open, and uh, it, it, we're not looking for Mount Rushmore. We're not looking for the ten greatest Ravens players. We're looking for. I liked Rashawn Melvin, or I liked Corey Ivey, or I really liked what Sam Adams brought to the defense, or I really liked the story of how the Ravens first came to town. That's the kind of stuff uh, that we're looking for. Hit me up with that, and we'll be sure to get you on real quick. Childs, thanks again for joining us.
3: Yeah, thanks, Ken. It's been a pleasure. And we'll talk to you next time on stuff. <laughs>